Turn with me uh, to your Bible to Romans 8. Romans 8. If you do not have a Bible, um, one can be passed around uh, to you if you just raise your hand. I'm not sure. Yeah, Stephen, thank you for handling that. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Stephen will bring a Bible to you. And if not, uh, the rest of us open up our Bibles, whether that's on our phone or whether it is in front of us on paper. Go to Romans 8. Uh, We're going to be reading the 9th through the 13th verse of Romans 8. We're on a journey. Uh, The the title of chapter 8 is Life Through the Spirit. Life Through the Spirit. And so we're kind of continuing a journey, just fleshing this out about God's Holy Spirit. It's probably in my lifetime, I don't know about yours, but in my lifetime, it was one of the fewest conversations that I heard uh, across the pulpit. Uh, what I heard a lot of was how we could live our life for the Lord and, and 10 easy steps uh, to be a believer. And uh, I don't believe those are the things that touch the heart. It's when the Spirit of God witnesses to our soul and speaks to us that, uh, that we hear His Word. So Romans 8. And we are uh, starting with the ninth verse. Are you with me? All right, all right, let's do this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of Christ lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Anybody want to say woo-hoo to that? Woo! Amen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You will live. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Living in the Spirit of Jesus. As I think about this and, as, and I approach this in my studies and approach this myself, I, I thought of a great quote from Oswald Chambers. It was this His cross is the door by which every member of the human race can enter into the life of God. By his resurrection, he has the right to give eternal life to anyone. And by his ascension, our Lord entered heaven, keeping the door open to humanity. That is such a great passage to, or a great quote to hear on a day that I think is so important in our, in our church calendar, and that is Ascension Sunday. And Ascension Sunday is, is a day that Jesus was looking forward to himself. But there are, there are two great things about Christianity as we approach this that I think uh, we cannot, that, that separate Christianity from every other religion in the world. 
It also makes it the most inclusive and exclusive faith in the universe. The first truth is the substitutional atonement that teaches us Christ came in our place. His, the death we were supposed to die, he died. He took the nails. He became the sacrificial lamb in our place so that we could live. Can't miss that. It is what separates. He had to take our place. But the second truth is this, that in doing so, he opened up a realm that became something brand new, and that is what's called new creation or being born again. It is, I like to think it this way, it's, it's everything in all creation is on a path to degrade, to destruction. Every time we see a shooting star, we're reminded that there is death in the original created universe. When we see vines that are beginning to wind themselves up around trees and suck the life out of trees, like I have seen recently in our backyard, we realize that in the created order in front of our eyes, there is constant death. And then, of course, the proverbial mirror in which each one of us look into it and go, I'm getting older. <laughs> Anybody testify to that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. In the midst of this, we're taught that in the power of faith in Christ, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're be re being renewed every day. That is an amazing truth that then talks to us as, as we look at verse 9, it talks about the fact that we're no longer in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. In the realm of the Spirit of God. There's a realm that has been created because of Jesus' sacrifice, death on the cross, resurrection, and his ascension. And it's a realm that exists now on this earth and is open and available for anyone because Jesus is the one who keeps the door open. Why is this important? Because the realm of the flesh always keeps you in sin. We learned this so worldwide with COVID. Because what happened with COVID and the realm of the flesh is that it kept a focus on the flesh. We were worried about whether we were going to die. We were worried whether we were going to pass on a sickness. We were worried, worried, worried. But did you notice that in the midst of the realm of the flesh, there was a separation, isolation, And it is, it, 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 you understand that, that COVID was not just a physical issue, it was a spiritual issue. And that there was a test going on in this world. God allowed that to happen, to, to say, what's most important to me? The realm of my flesh or the realm of the spirit? People left church. Now, why do you think that happened? No, I'm not just talking about for a period of time because we even stopped this service for eight weeks. That's not what I'm talking about. They left church. They're gone. 
Because the realm of the flesh was more important than the realm of the spirit. Because the realm of the spirit did not exist in the, in the, in, in the construct of religion. It only exists in the relationship with Christ. And so, the question, uh, and I, I, so, okay, hold on. I'm getting excited about this. I always get more excited about the, you know, I'm home studying, and it's like, okay, okay, okay. But when I see your eyes, I see your hearts, I get, I'm more excited about the Word of God then. So, the Bible says this, that through Christ, and this is in verse 2 of chapter 8 that we read last time, through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's the reality of the realm of the Spirit. What Christ did on that cross set you free there, you get this? There's a law of the flesh. There's a law in this world. Can't be broken. God will not break that law. Right? If, if, uh, if Leon decides to go on the top of the uh, Sears Tower and jump off, when he hits the ground, he'll die. Because the law of gravity is always there. The law is always set in place. But... But what I like to look at is this, that what God did was he, he, through Christ, bent the universe and overcame the law of the flesh and placed in it the law of the Spirit so that you, even today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today you can move from the law of the realm of the flesh to the law of the Spirit. Today! This moment, this second, can, you can. Now see, this is where the difference is in world religions. Anyone can be a Mormon if you accept the teachings of Mormonism. Anybody can be a Jehovah Witness if you accept their teachings. But the only way someone is a follower of Jesus Christ, the only way, is if Jesus Christ has died in your place and the Spirit of Christ lives in your heart. That's it. That's it. Have you transferred? Has, has, has the kingdom of God, which was envisioned as a small rock hewn from the mountain in, the cha- in Daniel and set and destroyed all other kingdoms and became the greatest kingdom on the face of earth, Has that kingdom come in your heart? If it has not, you're not a Christian, period. And so what I'm hoping at this time is, I'm hoping that this will be a time in your heart uh, that you'll examine yourself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 13.5, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in faith. Test yourselves and do you realize that Christ Jesus, listen, do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? You hear it? I mean, it's just throughout all scripture. Now, this is very meaningful to me today. Very meaningful to me today because um, of an event that happened this week, which sometimes I think God kind of sets stuff up so it kind of makes sense to me. 
Um, this week, Sue and I found ourselves in the ER. Uh, Sue had been talking to me about some shortness of breath over the last couple of months, and uh, just, just, you know, just wondering what's going on a little bit. Well, fr- uh, Wednesday night, she did not sleep all night. Eh, maybe start a little bit at four in the morning. But she, as she got up, she said to me, she says, I have a heavy heart beating, shortness of breath, and my legs just feel heavy. So I suggested that she checks, has her um, blood pressure checked. She did, and it was high. So with the advice of her doctor um, and the blood pressure, pressure check, we went to ER. The triage nurse set Sue at a priority two. Basically, priority one is you're about to die, and we need to get on it. Priority two is a heart issue. We need to get on it. We walked into a room, and there was five people in there. They were all set for us. Within minutes, they had taken her blood. They had set up multiple wires, EKG, and, uh, and they had everything going now. Uh, and uh, now... The findings are a little suspect because they found that Sue was normal. (laughs) But I'm glad about that. Um, So the possible diagnosis is stress. And uh, and so tomorrow she's going to get a halter in which she will wear for 24 hours and she will get checked to see if, um, if there's any irregularities, they may discover that the only irregularity in Sue's life is her husband. <laughs> but I don't know if the halter will check that. But it just, you know, so this is huge to me because as we sit here together, I want you to envision this because I believe this is true. There is a holy team that is assembled around us right now. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and His angels are here in this place. And they are here to let you look at your heart and to see what's going on. I don't know what you guys have come in. I know that the, I know that the, um, the realm of the flesh has attempted this week to hold on to you. That's the thing we're going to deal with for the rest of our life, is that you're going to continue to fight against that realm. Now, you have to understand something. Continual sin always comes from the fact that you have become convinced that the realm of the flesh is in control. And so I have inner desires And so I follow through with sinful desires because the realm of the flesh says you're in control. Says it's in control. But I'm telling you, there's a realm of the spirit that is actually in control. And as you surrender and submit your life to the spirit's leading, and I believe he's speaking to hearts today, if you will surrender it, It'll be an amazing journey. Now, I, I, I want to just think about something for a moment as we, as we continue in this passage. I want you to think about Jesus' enthusiasm for this reality. That on Ascension Day, he was excited to go back to heaven, not because he wasn't excited to be with you, but because he knew 
that if he went back to heaven, he would be with you. In fact, he promised this. He said, I will not make you orphans, but I will actually dwell in you. So this is a great study. If you want to study, you know, um, Josiah talks about themes in the Bible. It's an amazing theme when you think about what Jesus talked about in regards to ascension. He first brought it up in John 8 and 21. He says, to the unbelieving Jews, isn't this interesting? To the unbelievers, he said, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Now that's winning friends and taking home. And then he says, where I go, you cannot come. And then he says to his disciples in verse 12, he says, uh, but you will not always have me with you. You are going to have the light just a little longer. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. Jesus had this conversation with his own. What's the reason? First of all, Jesus was returning to the Father. In John 14, 28, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm, and, and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you'll be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. The self-submission obedience of Christ to the will of the Father. His death and resurrection and ascension brought in an era of the kingdom that has set up since uh, since that time on this earth, and if you're a believer, you're part of that kingdom. And um, he is coming back again. He's coming back uh, in bodily form. But right now, he is here in the spirit of Christ living in every single one of us. The second reason that Jesus uh, was excited about this, because he knew that it would be the advocate of the spirit that would grow the faith around the world and through generations. John 16, 7 says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus, the Messiah, was one man. Man and God, but he was one man in one place. He was born in Bethlehem. He was crucified outside of Jerusalem. And on the, on the uh, mountain of, uh, guess, uh, of um Galilee, he was raised up out of, out of the earth. He was one man. Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit can live in Russ's life, can live in John's life, can live in Tim's life, can live in Patty's life, can live all over this room, all at the same time. And there is no geographical limitation. It is he is the expansion of the kingdom of God on this earth. Listen to me. He is supposed to be reigning over the church. For so many years, we have watched a church reign by the logic of humans, and it has, learned, it has ended in death. But I am telling you, if the Holy Spirit reigns over this place, all he will do, right, Chuck, is continue to grow it. It's all he'll do, because his job is to grow the kingdom of heaven. And the third reason Jesus was excited was because he wanted to spend eternity with you. John 17, 24 says, Father, I want those who have been given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. It is by the Spirit of God that we have a connection to God. 
Now, I know in this room this size that there has been people who have not had good relationships with their fathers. I get that. I get that. But I am telling you this. The Father orchestrated the coming of His Son. The Father sent the Holy Spirit when His Son went back to heaven for one reason, so that He could connect with you, so that you and Him could commune with each other, live life together, grow together. And Jesus was excited about that because He knew that He would spend eternity with us. In Ephesians, it says, The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The Holy Spirit living inside of us is the confidence that we're not only connected with God, but that we are someday going to be with God forever. He is that deposit guaranteeing us that. That's why he drew you here. That's why we're worshiping God. It is continuing to come before God and saying, there's going to be a forever. And why don't I spend more time on this earth with you now? That's why we worship. So Christ had to leave so that the Spirit could come and empower the work on the cross to be transformative to your and my life. Jesus said to his disciples, wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Then he was taken up before their very eyes. All this context to say the words of conviction. If indeed, listen to it in verse 9, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Does the Spirit of Christ live in you? Don't go by that question. Answer it. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are His. You've often heard me say, if you've been here very long, I, I, I do care about what you know, but I care more about what God knows about you. What does God know about you? Well, he knows everything about you, but what I'm talking about is, what does he know about you and him together on a weekly, daily, hourly basis? Is in the realm of the, of the flesh, you will think about you. You'll wonder about your life. You'll be worried about everything. You'll be, that's, what, that's what Jesus was talking about. Come out of the realm of the flesh. Stop worrying. You know, I, I love um, Matthew 6 where he says, you know, listen, if I, can, if I can coat the flowers of the field with such beauty and they're gone tomorrow, and I can feed the birds the air, don't you think that you're more precious to me than that? Don't you think that's, you're more important to me than that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Don't worry. And so, and so the Spirit of God living in you. The Spirit of God. So let's, let's continue on. What is, what is the Spirit of the Christ? What, what does he do? Spirit of Christ. Listen, first thing, the Holy Spirit only communicates what the Father says. In John 16, it says that he will only say what the Father says. And so when the Spirit speaks to you, speak, you do you believe that the Spirit of God speaks to you? Yes. I do too. I've, I've not necessarily heard him through my ear gate, 
but I have heard him through my soul gate. And the interesting thing is this, that when he speaks, when he speaks, you can't miss it, can you? You can't miss it. It's so clear. It is so clear. It's like, have you ever, have you ever kind of walked around just like, he'll speak to you, and it's almost like you got punched? I mean, it's so real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we can go on with that. But, but I, I think that what I have found in my life too at times is he always brings you back to what you said no to. He always brings you back to it. Yep. Yep. I have. I have. So not only does he communicate, but listen to this. He only speaks the truth. No, no. You can trust everything he says. Now test the spirits, but if you have this hidden in your heart, you will know what he's saying. And you'll know that it's real. you know that's true. You have a question about your relationship? Test it here. Test it here. See if it aligns with the word of God of what's being said about a relationship, and you'll hear it. The third thing is the Holy Spirit is the communicator of conviction. He reveals the truth of sin and calls for action of repentance. Listen to me. No, listen to me. This is the number one issue of today. You know, I truly believe that in our world, the answer to the fact that most people's love will grow cold is narcissism. It is, I cannot be wrong. And I will do everything that I have to to put up my protection to be right. And guess what? You destroy relationships with that garbage. It's okay to be wrong. Jesus is never wrong. Ever. It's okay to be wrong. So he is the communicator of conviction. Fourth, the Holy Spirit reveals righteousness. Reveals the fact that, you know, I've often said this. I don't think there'll be a sadder human being on the face of this earth when they get to the end of their life and they realize their life was completely wrong. I can't think of a worse thing. I was on this path. I even put the name of God on it. I put the name of God on the path and said, yeah, yeah, he's here. But I was wrong. It wasn't God. It was my picture of God. It's what I made him out to be. People do that. But the Holy Spirit reveals righteousness that we are justified before God. We are made completely right in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that in that, we can make hard and right and true decisions because his rightness in our life is always right. It's never wrong. And we can stand on that rock and keep walking forward. I don't think there's a greater time in this, in this era. Timothy, or Paul told Timothy this, that in the last days, that there will be people who will be following doctrines of demons. And guess who he's talking to? He's talking to the church. He was not talking to unbelievers. He was talking to people in the church. And that in the church, people would begin to put construct of doctrines together that has nothing to do with God and everything to do with demonic. And you and I have seen it. We've seen it. We have seen it. We have seen people stand on lies 
and walk away from the family of God. We've seen it. Because they have a doctrine that has been built by a demon that says, this is, this is the way it should be going. They got it wrong. And so, the Holy Spirit reveals righteousness. Fifth, the Holy Spirit tells us the future. The light of a coming judgment and changes the course of our decisions. Listen, if you're making a decision based on how you feel today, more than likely it's a wrong decision. If you're making a decision based on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back, and the decision I make today is, is against my feelings, but I know it's the right thing, it's going to be a right decision. He tells us the future. He tells us there's a coming judgment. He tells us that Jesus is coming back. And it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long. And finally, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is a guide. God absolutely communicates in the souls of all who believe his guidance for their life. I can remember one day, and I can, I can, I can, uh, it was, we were living on Moorwood Street, and my wife was doing dishes one day, and all of a sudden, she heard a name in her heart. It pointed in my ear, but in her heart. That was weird. She heard a name in her heart, and uh, it was one of her friends. And she kind of just shook her head, and okay. And I think she heard it again. So she picked up the phone. And dialed and said, hey, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I'm calling you because I heard your name. And the young lady said, my mother just died. And so Sue had a wonderful conversation with her. The Spirit will guide your life. I have other stories, but they're for other people to tell. And so... The Spirit communicates what the Father tells him. The Spirit tells the truth. The Spirit, communicator of conviction, reveals righteousness, tells us of the future, is our guide. And one more, i got to add one more, and that is he's our comforter. Anybody need any comfort today? Yeah, yeah, amen. He is our comforter. Uh, he communicates, listen to me, he communicates the Word of God in your heart at the exact moment that you need it. In the exact moment that you need it. He communicates so, does the Spirit of Christ live in you? Does the Spirit of Christ live in you? Answer the question. Does he dwell? Because the, the, the negative side of this is that if the Spirit of Christ does not live in you, you do not belong to Christ. Don't let that go. Let the Spirit speak to your heart. It's a lot easier to grab a hold of things of Christ and, uh, and, and, and some knowledge of his life, but to be completely sold out and committed to him, abandoned to the flesh, and walking in the spirit of God, it's a whole new realm. That's what he's calling us. That's why some of the people have left the churches is because he wants to make a home. In your heart. 
He says this. I read that passage at the beginning. He says this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. We're going to talk about obedience in a, in a moment, but I, I want you to focus on the truth that um, through faith in Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Spirit is more about family than it is about fanaticism. It is more about family than it is about fanaticism. What do I mean by fanaticism? I had a friend of mine when I was younger. He had kind of gotten involved in a group of people that were, um, uh, you know, were just on this, on this forward move um, uh, in, in, in this world of just really focusing on the spirit. He told me stories about the fact that he would be in homes and like there'd be a door frozen shut, they couldn't open up, and the handle was cold. And so they would like cast a demon off the handle of the door, and the door would open up. He told me stories about the fact that the shutters uh, would, would, would shake on the house. And um, I'm not at all saying that that doesn't happen. Um, Sue and I have had some strange experiences within the last year. But this man no longer is following Jesus. Because the Spirit of God is more about family than about fanaticism or anything physical manifestations. The commands of God of this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's the first and greatest commandment. The second is likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the laws and the prophets. It is about the fact that the Holy Spirit's greatest, I'm not a cessationist, I believe that, God's, that God still works in miraculous ways, don't get me wrong, but if you look at how it happened in Jesus' life, it was more done in the natural that most people who didn't have a close relationship with him would completely miss it. But if you have a, fam, a, a family relationship with him, he will open your eyes to see what he's doing. And in that, you get to see miraculous things happen. I'm not against miraculous. I'm just against a life that just continues to perpetuate the fact that we need some kind of fanatical um, manifestation physically. I think one of the greatest works that I have experienced in Set Free is the fact that, that God gives us the power to shut the mouths of demons when they should be able to speak. That's one of the greatest things I've watched because why focus on them instead of focusing on the heart of the person in front of you and loving them and allowing them then to have the strength to say, I'm now in the family of God. I will walk forward with Jesus and let them renounce what has been hassling them. And so the realm, I, I spent a lot of time on this, but people of God, it's so important. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Don't let that pass. Verse 10 and 11 says this, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who dwells within you. The spirit of Christ is our righteous, resurrectional courage. We need that today. We need courage. I know that some of you are facing some really tough things. Um, we've got a brother, um, Jay, that is, is going through chemotherapy because of cancer. Uh, we've got another brother whose father um, has just uh, set aside chemotherapy and, and the thought that his father will be passing from this earth. I get the fact that our God does not, um, does not um, push aside the, the, the pain that you feel in your heart at this moment. But we need courage. You see... When you're in the realm of the flesh, the Bible says this is how you're going to live. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It is a, it is a fatalistic view on life and saying, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to satisfy my needs now because I'm going to die anyway, so it's no big deal. Or the other side of it is the fact that people become so paralyzed by death that they can't even live their life. That is the realm of the flesh. But Scripture tells us about Jesus in 1 Peter 3.18. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. The two realities clash together and faith anoints us with the truth that even though our bodies are aging and dying, we are being made new and alive within our spirit. And we have the picture of Jesus Christ arising from the dead. And that resurrection gives us the courage to realize that in his righteousness, in who he is, that we live to face courageously our life. I don't know what needs courage in your life right now. Some of you have experienced the death of relationships. Some of you have experienced the death of, um, of, a, of a loved one. Some of you are walking through, watching death right now. Some of you have seen your jobs die. Some of you have, uh, have experienced homelessness and what seems to be outward death. He is the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Jesus said that in John 6 when he was talking about the fact that that eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he was talking about in the spiritual sense. He was, again, talking about the fact of taking Jesus in to our life, living out our faith because he lives in us and we can. So the question is this. Have you had the courage to live a vital, real life in the midst of your troubles? I truthfully believe that it is our difficulties that actually reveal who we are. Who are you when life seems to be falling apart in front of you? Do you have a heartfelt desire for the things of God? Is your every inclination to avoid sin and to live out for God's will? Do you have a driving passion to please God? Paul told Timothy there would be a, a time in which um, people would no longer want to please God but please themselves. They will be rude. They will be abrasive. They will be disrespecters of their parents. They will be God-haters. They will love money and pleasure more than God. 
This week in one of my devotions, God uh, gave me Luke 21, 19. says, stand firm and you will win life. The King James says, in your patience, possess ye your soul. I don't know about you, but I have noticed a growing tension and a growing drawing away from the things of God. Have you, have you experienced that? You've you, you seen that all around us. But it is in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the walk that, that you really show who you are and take possession of your soul. What that means is that, is that you see that the Spirit of Christ really lives inside of you because no matter what the adversity you have, you stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. I'm not moving. I'm not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what costs that I have in this world. I'm not moving. I'm standing right here. What a church would be like that. Rock the world. The world is used to churches compromising to the word of God. They, they're used to that. They're used to infighting of churches. They, they get all disunity. They don't get people who stand by each other, who love each other, even though they don't always agree, even though there sometimes are fights and there are things going on. Come on, we're, we're am I here not human? Come on. But in the midst of it, we aren't moving. We aren't moving because Jesus is here. It's courage. It takes courage. And so Jesus who raised, uh, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Resurrectional power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said in Ephesians, is the same power that lives inside of you. Do you believe that? Anybody here struggle with victimization? You know, you, you look at your life and there's a little bit of a, a, a negative pessimism. Ah, I can't say it. Pessimism. <laughs> Speaking in tongues now. Um, but, you know, you look at your life and there's just a little bit of that rub of, you know, I just haven't been given a very good lot in life. You know what? Spirit of Christ lives inside of you. You got everything you need. No, you got everything you need. No, you didn't get in that. You got everything you need. Everything you need to live a victorious life. Because if Jesus came out of the grave, and you're going to come out of the grave, then what can overcome you? Oh, how much? Nothing? You say nothing? Nothing. Listen to me. There's somebody here today that's going through a tough time. They're going through a trial. You're thinking about it right now. It's already overcome. It's already overcome. That doesn't mean that you don't take time and pray and ask God to lead you through it. But can you believe that you're working from victory to victory, not defeat to victory? You're working to to victory because he's already won. He's already won. He arose from the dead. So how do we respond to this? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I'll leave that question. 
But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. So we have an obligation. It refers to a person that's indebted, bound by from some duty. Christianity is, is a call into a whole new army. Every single one of us was born into the army of Satan. By our sinful nature, we were recruits from conception. But God, through, his, through the blood of Jesus Christ, has called us into the army of God. He's called us to stand up in new citizenship. And this obligation, because of the shed blood, then becomes the undergirding of the fact that there's nothing that matters about the cost in what I'm facing. Because his cost is always more than mine. He shed his blood for me, so I can. Colossians 3, 5 through 10, some excerpts say this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on its new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So how do we have the strength in the spirit to avoid and kill misdeeds of the body? First of all, listen to me, it's a huge thing. Narcissism totally goes against this. First, you've got to recognize the presence of sin in our flesh. John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is in us. Acknowledge it. Stop trying to make yourself better than what you are. Be honest. What is it you're struggling with? What is it that you're dealing with? Second, have your eyes, your heart fixed on God. Psalm 57, 7, David said, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Yes, yes, yes. Steadfast equals a heart fixed on God in this world that is fixed on their phone. Fix your heart on God. I, it, um, it, um, it amazes me how many people say, well, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever read his word. Seriously? Stop it. Stop it. Yes. You can't do it on your own. It is, it is through the Spirit of God. Yes, through the Spirit of God, you recognize your sin. Through the Spirit of God, you fix your heart on God. Through the Spirit of God, you meditate on his word. I've hidden your word in my heart, Psalm 19 says, that I may not sin against you. The word we hide is memorized is the word that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing to our mind. Fourthly, we commune regularly with God in prayer. Have you felt the, the call to pray more? I hope you have. It is unbelievable, the need for prayer. 1 Peter 4 says this, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And then finally, practice obedience to God. We have a host of Old Testament prophets who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and when they were, they obeyed God. Micah 3.8 says, but as for me, I am filled with the power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transition, transgression to Israel, his sin. 
So we have a spirit that is a belonging spirit. We have a spirit that is a, cur- a spirit of courage and a spirit of obligation to live this life out. So I'm going to start with the same question I, I or I'm going to end with the same question I started with. Is the spirit of Christ in you? If you question that, today's a great day to settle that. Because it is, it is a heart that receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is honest to repent their sins and turn from them. And it is a heart that says, my life is now yours. I don't care what it costs. I am going to follow you for the rest of my days. And that can be said in this place, in this moment, at this time. For many years, there has been a human construct over the church that has kept it under a logical movement. You know, the whole idea, if you build it, they will come. If you look successful. I, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I've had, um, even against in my own life, because I lived fake for a long time, was the fact that we took uh, 2 Corinthians 12, And we changed it to, it's by my strength that his strength is made known instead of by my weakness. And we've built something that that looks, as a shroud, looks good, but is just demonic. And it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to understand that we serve a God that wants us to be his family. That we serve a God that's saying, will you stand up in courage at this time in your life? And are you, are you under the obligation of my spirit to do what I call you to do? And I still go back. Um, I, 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 won't, I won't ever forget this as long as I live. Jerry and Olga, they, uh, they, uh, we, we had a day where we went out into the neighborhood. And I can see her shaking um, uh, this packet of visiting cards and addresses and says, we've never done this before, but we're going to do this. I love that attitude. Let that be us all. I've never done this before, God, but because you're God, because you're, I belong to your family, because I, you're giving me courage, and because my heart's obligated to live my life for you, because of your spirit, I am going to Whatever. I, I, there's things in your mind right now, isn't there? Yes, there is. God's calling you to do. So we're going we're gonna to stand as we have the uh, court team, uh, court team, the uh, praise team come forward. Pluck him, pluck He can't pluck. Why don't you stand with me? I don't care what I call you. I'm glad you're up here. (laughs) Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come as a family in this place, Lord, um, I pray that your spirit is moving in such a way that our hearts are moved to really ask the question, does the spirit of Christ live inside of me? Beyond human logic, beyond what makes sense, 
a spirit that is moving, that is speaking, that is communicating, that is, that is convicting, that is telling the truth, that is guiding, that is comforting, that is, is moving. God, that's what we, it, your spirit is really the spirit that is going to build a church that the gates of hell cannot, cannot destroy. So, Father, we just pray that your spirit's moving and that, Father, we sense that here and that, Lord, if there's anyone in our midst that cannot answer that question, that today they'll answer it. It is not something that's going to be some kind of magical thing that's going to, um, um, that's going to, you're going to feel the same, but, Father, you have never, never refused somebody who has not received you, when they cry out to you, you said that all who cry out to you, the Lord will answer. You did not refuse Nicodemus, who was under the construct of religiosity, but did not know you, for you drew him to you, even in the late hour of his life, and he was there at your burial, because he said, I will do whatever you want me to do. And Father, I just pray that, that in this room, that our hearts will be moved and warmed by your spirit in such a way that, Lord, this family will build on the truth of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit as the Father you lead us so that, Lord, we can be the family you've called us to be. There are so many. There's so many children who have walked away from the Lord. There's so many friends who are not walking in the Lord. There's so many out there that have been drawn away by the realm of the flesh, believing that it is in control. Father, if we really believe that the realm of the Spirit is in control of all things and sits enthroned over all the universe, then, Father, let us overcome our fears, overcome all things, and share you with those that you have placed in our life. Build a family. God, you're good. Thank you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.